Well, good morning, church. My name is Terry Swan. I'm the senior pastor here at Salem. I'm delighted to get to be with you this morning. Pastor Tim is at a course of study school for local pastors, so I get to be with you to bring God's word this morning, and that makes me excited because I like to be in here uh, to do that. So uh, I wanted you to look to the person next to you and say, um, God is with you. And just like that child said in children's time just a moment ago, sometimes we don't feel like it, right? When he was asked, do you believe God is with you? He said, no. <laughs> you know, sometimes we feel that. That's the human condition. We feel like that, that God's presence isn't with us. But in reality, God's presence is always with us. We're going to talk about that this morning. We're in the second week of a three-part series in which we're talking about the prayer of Moses. It's found in the 33rd chapter of the book of Exodus, where Moses gives three petitions. Last week, you talked about the first one, where he said, show me your ways. Show me your ways. The second one, show me your presence. And the third, show me your glory. Today we're going to talk about what it means to be in God's presence. Now, if you remember the story, uh, the Israelites are pulling away from God. Uh, God's presence has been with them throughout wandering in the wilderness. He's provided them manna and quail and water in each petition and lifting up to God. God has provided and God's presence has been seen in this pillar of fog that, or cloud that goes over the people, and especially when Moses is speaking to God or praying to God in the tent of meetings. And Mount Sinai, they're at the bottom of Mount Sinai, the valley below, and Moses is up on Mount Sinai, Sinai having this conversation with God, and the people begin to get restless. The people begin to pull away from God. Moses is no longer in their sight and they're wondering if he's even alive. And so they say to Aaron, make for us a God so that we can worship. How quickly they've forgotten that God's presence was with them. How quickly they've already forgotten the covenant that they have made with God. That he would be our God and that we would be his people. They've already forgotten so quickly. And Moses is with God, and God's looking down upon the people worshiping this golden calf that they have fashioned with all of their jewelry and any metal that they can find, and they're bowing down to worship it. And he says to Moses, your people. Notice he doesn't say my people right then. It's like that parent who says, your daughter, your son, right? Your people are a stiff-necked, stubborn people. I don't know. Have we changed any? We're a little stiff-necked, stubborn people still today, I would say. But Moses comes down, he intercedes, he intervenes for the people. And verse 11 in the 33rd chapter says this, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. So they have this heart-to-heart conversation. That's really what the essence of prayer is, this heart-to-heart, face-to-face conversation, a relationship with God as God is a friend. And transformation takes place when our hearts are changed, 
when we experience transformation. You see, God never changes, even though we try to change him, right? Our prayers, God, will you please do this? And God, will you please do that? And God, by the way, I need this and I need that. We try to change God to bend to our will in prayer. But really, the power of prayer is seen when we ask God to show us God's way, God's presence, God's glory. God does not change. We do. And it is our hearts that are transformed in the midst of that relationship, in the midst of that conversation. And that, my friends, is the power of prayer. I want to read to you a little bit of how that dialogue went in the tent of meetings as Moses opens his heart to God in the 33rd chapter of Exodus. One day Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. He reminds God, they're not just my people. It's sort of like that parent does to the other spouse, right? Not just my daughter, not just my son, right? Your very own people. And notice Moses doesn't keep the prayer just for himself. He intercedes on behalf of the people. He says, if you don't personally go, oh, verse 14. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. And he intercedes for the people, and then Moses says, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from every other people on earth. This is how God is going to mark his people. God's presence is going to be with them. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. I know you by name. In other words, Moses asked the Lord, show me your way, show me the plans that you have for your people. I want to be in that relationship. I want to be about your promises, God. I want to do your work. And God says, I'll be there. Moses is asking for a map. And God does one better. He says, I'm going to give you a guide. I'm going to give you a guide, and that guide is going to be me. My presence is going to be with you the whole way. Now, we all need reassurances that God is with us, right? We do. Sometimes we don't feel God's presence. Even the strongest of God's leaders needed this reassurance. Noah, Abraham, Moses here, King David. But Moses doesn't just need this assurance for himself. He needs to know that God is going to be with his people, that he's going to hold that covenant and from that moment on, God's presence marked the life of Moses and marked our lives as God's people. Knowing us by name. God knows our name. How comforting is that? That he knows everything about us. Prayer is that way that we experience God's presence. Prayer is that face-to-face, heart-to-heart conversation 
with the one who knows us by name, the one who knows how many hairs we have on our head or maybe the lack of them. We, God knows our struggles. God knows our joys. He knows our pains. He knows our worries. He knows our hopes. And in the midst, God says, I won't maybe fix it in the way you're pleading for me to fix it, but I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to walk by you and sometimes hold you up. And I'm going to bring people alongside you. My presence is going to be with you. God promises us that. And in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we hear promise after promise of God's presence being with us. I want, if you have your phone with you, feel free to pull it out. If you have a Bible app, feel free to. We're going to go to Psalm 145, verse 17 and 18, whatever translation you like. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, faithful in all his deeds. Do you hear that promise? Righteous. God is righteous. God is faithful in all his deeds. The Lord is close to everyone who calls out to him, to all who call out to him sincerely. You see, the psalmist reflects that we're the ones that come and go. God's presence is always there, but we're the ones that kind of come and go from God's presence. We hear that in Psalm 139. If you want to go on over to Psalm 139. Where could I get, go to get away from your spirit? Where could I go to escape your presence? If I went up to heaven, you would be there. If I went down to the grave, you'd be there too. If I could fly on the wings of dawn, stopping to rest only on the far side of the ocean, even there your hand would guide me. Even there your strong hand would hold me tight. I like to call this the runaway bunny psalm for the moms out there who've ever read Runaway Bunny to your kids. You know, in that book, the mama bunny runs to where the baby bunny has run to, always. And if the baby bunny tries to turn into anything else, she becomes the gardener if the, bun if the bunny tries to turn itself into a flower. Every, everywhere the bunny goes, the mama bunny is there. And that's what this psalm is telling us. This psalm reflects our human condition, that we try our best to run away from God. We try our best, oh, I want to do things, God, my own way. I want to maybe do this over here, even though I know it might not be what's best for me, what you want for me, God. But, ah, we are the ones who pull away. We try to run away, but God's presence is there, always wooing us in that prevenient grace, wooing us back into relationship to that intimate relationship. Psalm 23, verse four. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We know this. We've, we've We've heard this psalm many times. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're diving into God's word, this is one of the most comforting psalms that we find. Our Tuesday evening Bible study, women's Bible study, kind of read different translations of this psalm together to get deeper meaning of God's presence with us. 
If you're not in a, women, if you're not in a Tuesday evening study, would like to join us, there's plenty of room. And guys, there's plenty of room in the other studies as well. Uh, but we, we looked at the message translation. And it is beautiful. Hear this language. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid. When you walk at my side, your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. That God is going to be with us in those difficult times, that he's going to lead us beside the still waters or the quiet waters, that he's going to lead us into green pastures. There's going to be some ebbs and flow in our lives, right? And there's going to be difficult times where God is with us and we're calling upon God's name to help us in that time. And there's going to be times when we're in those green pastures and we're beside those quiet waters and we're experiencing that peace, that Jesus promises us. Isaiah, the prophet, chapter 43, hear this promise. Don't fear for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. Hear that again? God knows our name. I have called you by name, you are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When through the rivers, they won't sweep over you. When you walk through fire, you won't be scorched and the flame won't burn you. Think of how God's promises have been true in your life in those instances. When you felt like you might be drowned by stress, you might be drowned by your problems, but you were able to walk through on dry ground. You were able to get to the other side. Think of how God's promises have been true in the scriptures. The people of Israelite, they, Israel, they walk through dry ground, don't they, when the Red Sea is parted. Think of the promises in Daniel, how this has been experienced. When Daniel is before uh, the emperor the, and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are getting pushed into a fiery furnace because they are not going to deny the one true God. And they are not scorched. They are not burned. The same for us. When we feel like we're being attacked by the world and we feel like we might not be able to continue, God will bring us up without a scorch if we hold on to our faith and know that God is faithful, just as God has promised. And Jesus said, I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This is found in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John. He says, I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you. The companion, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I told you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't be troubled or afraid. It's the same promise that God gives Moses in the tent. Remember he says, I'll be with you, I'll go with you and your people, and I will give you rest. And the disciples are asking the same question of Jesus as Moses does of God. You see, Jesus is the full revelation of God. God, flesh and bone, in their very presence, and he tells them he's going to be leaving. And of course, what do they begin to worry about? 
Well, if you're leaving Jesus, then will God's presence be with us? Because God's presence is in him and through him, and they know this. So they're asking the same question as we hear in Exodus. And Jesus promises them a companion, promises them a Holy Spirit that will guide. It's not this new thing, but God is going to provide a companion that will bring comfort and peace, but not only that, will be about God's purposes. You see, the Holy Spirit dwells within us, yes, and provides us peace and comfort. We know him as counselor and comforter, but the Holy Spirit also comes upon us to do God's purposes, to work in the world around us. Amen? That not only do we experience that peace of God dwelling in us, that we have this power placed upon us. The Holy Spirit is both and, church. It's both and. It's this indwelling presence and this power of God that moves us out into the world. The presence of God comforts and convicts. The presence of God guides and serves. The presence of God shepherds and restores. The presence of God is both a calming breeze and a mighty rush of wind. Practicing the presence of God is that heart-to-heart, face-to-face conversation that transforms us so that we can ask the Holy Spirit to move in us and to move upon us, to move us out. What if we practiced the presence of God every day of our lives? What if we practiced the presence of God in our jobs? and in our conversations and relationships, would we approach things differently? If we ask the Holy Spirit to come upon us, to show us, to dwell within us, but to also move us out, how would it look in our finances if we practiced the presence of God each and every day? Would our checkbook look different? Would our spending look different? How would the presence of God, practicing that presence of God, change our language if we asked Christ to be upon every word that we said? How would it be if we practiced the presence of God at the ball game or the hockey game? Would our attitude change? Would our attitude shift? Right? Would we say the same things? Would we do the same things if we practiced the presence of God? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, the scriptures say. Transformation happens. Didn't Tim say last week that when we're praying and transformation doesn't happen, we're just whining? Didn't he say that last week? We ask God to change us. We ask God to be about his purposes. That's when power in prayer happens. That's when transformation within us happens. Because God's presence is always with us. Always. He knows us by name. And the way we experience God's presence greater than any other way is that nourishment of remembering that he is with us in this time of Holy Communion. We're going to invite the servers to come forward. And just kind of, Sean's going to serve you while I kind of talk and sum up here. Um, 
in this moment, Jesus gathers the disciples and he says, I'm going to give you a way to remember that I'm with you always. I'm going to give you a way to remember that you're not in this alone. When you break the bread and you take of the cup, do this in remembrance of me, he says. He says, I'll show you the ways. I'll show you, and, and the presence of my being will be with you. And in the midst of that, I'll show you the glory of God. And so will you pray with me?